Good afternoon, Jerry Ann. Good afternoon. How are you? Good. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for coming down. Thank you. Once again, this is our fourth episode of our podcast, and yeah. we're going to be taking a little bit of a pause after this. Um, but it is our podcast, and it's Thinking Out Loud. Mm -hmm. um, a oh gosh, I'm going to look <laughs> at this. Um, <laughs> thinking Out Loud. A candid. A candid conversation about surviving and thriving in an accommodating world. Yeah. And thank you, Jerry, and it is a mouthful, and I apologize okay. for forgetting. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But I think it's, from what we've seen, we've had an amazing audience of people that are definitely interested, definitely asking questions, and definitely thinking in a little bit of a different way mm -hmm. of, you know, how to celebrate different abilities and how to support each other because Absolutely. that's really what we're all about. Mm -hmm. um, for today's episode, we're going to be talking about two things, really just touching on them a little bit because of our time, mm -hmm. uh, but starting the conversation. My name is Patricia Digby and Jerry Ann Patafio. And welcome to our podcast. Thank, Thank you. you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks Thank for listening. Um, so today we're going to be talking about two things. One is government supports, yep. which is kind of piggybacking off of our last podcast, which was assistive technology in this day and age. Mm -hmm. And actually we received a lot of really great feedback oh, great. from parents who were like, oh, I didn't know about that. And oh my gosh, I didn't realize about that. <laughs> so I think it makes a huge difference because which is why we're doing the podcast, because you live it, you breathe it, you've grown up in it. Mm -hmm. You know what works for you, obviously, but you can also give a little bit of insight for other people yeah. um, as to what we can do to help accommodate everybody in, in different aspects of our lives Absolutely. and our mm -hmm. interactions. So today we're going to talk about government supports mm -hmm. and then we're going to talk and again you are the person that sort of pulled together this list of topics that you thought would really add value mm -hmm. to the individuals who are watching the podcast. So the second one is going to be siblings with special needs an in-depth look at sibling relationships. Yes. So um, again we're not going to be able to cover everything in one half hour segment mm -hmm. but we can definitely start making a little bit of uh indentation in it absolutely so let's start with government supports okay what do you think what kinds of government supports are out there for people well uh the the main one for for um for us is ontario disability support program okay that's odsp odsp everybody hears odsp but Yes. Okay. So I'm not on ODSP anymore now that I have a full-time job, but I was on it when I had a part-time job and I just used it for basically my medical coverage. I just needed it for my medical coverage, but there's different variations of ODSP. So some people who may not be able to work will get full coverage, rent, all, all these different things um, and assistive technology covered. Yeah. Okay, so let's start off at the beginning. Mm -hmm. When do you, when would somebody apply for ODSB? I think it's like 18 or 19. 18, yeah, 18, yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. and what do you need in order to apply for it? You need your psych report, 
from the doctor. Like a recent one or yeah. just anyone? A recent one, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so usually, yeah, usually get one when you're like 18, when you're going on to post-secondary. Mm-hmm. So uh, you need that. For, um, I also had a psychologist uh, who wrote that. And then I just went and interviewed with them and they just checked, you know, how much money I make because if you, if you make too much money, you don't qualify for it. Okay. So for me, because I already had a job, they just covered my medications. That's all I needed. Okay. But for someone who may not have a job, they give you a little bit of money for rent, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So when you're talking about medications, does our Ontario, like OHIP, our Ontario Health Insurance Plan, no. it wouldn't necessarily cover all of your medications no. for pe- for individuals? No, because like it's free to go to a psychiatrist, but the medication is not free. So, and it's and, not covered. No, once I'm once I was too old to be on my parents' plan, I had to get some sort of coverage. And medication, you know, can cost one hundred and fifty dollars a month, maybe more, depending mm-hmm. on what, what you're on. So, luckily, I, I got ODSP to cover for my meds. And do they ask you what your medication is? Yeah, they know it all. They know it all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess everything is connected through the healthcare mm-hmm. system. Yeah, right? they like you know when you get your insurance, same idea. Like your insurance, you you know you give them the, the name of your medication. They say, okay, this is covered or this much is covered. Same idea. Okay, and mm-hmm. then do you have to disclose to them like where you're living, what you're doing? Yeah. Yes. So you basically kind of have to give them a snapshot of your life. Exactly. And then mm-hmm. they say, okay, this is what this person. This is what this person's um, needs are needs are these mm-hmm. are the accommodations that they require we think they're valid we think these ones are realistic these ones yeah. maybe not so much I had a caseworker as well okay. so she kind of helped me and I had my dad as well so they he kind of was part of it um, but like because I had a job so I have would I would have to give in my pay stubs so they could see how much I, I made every every month because mm-hmm. if I made too much, I wouldn't get the coverage. So, but luckily mm-hmm. I was good. I they just covered my meds. So, so yeah. what would what would be like three things that you would recommend to parents who are looking at applying for ODSB? Well, um, like definitely you need to get the the psych report and you know get get some re- research into it a little more and you know meet with the caseworker and find out you know what is best for your child and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you think a parent should be like very candid about about what the needs of their children are? Absolutely. Do you think they should be like, oh yeah, you know what, they're not too bad. Like, I think it's best to be honest if you want to get the full supports. Yeah. I know sometimes we're hesitant, but they're they're trained and they know and they it's confidential, right? No one's mm-hmm. gonna know if. But in order to help your child to the best of their ability, they need to know what they need and what their um, exceptionalities are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And will they, now I know you said that they interviewed you. Yep, I met with my caseworker and I talked to her and yeah, I, I signed some forms. Uh, my dad was with me, I signed, he signed off on as um, like a guardian. the guardian to help me because some of the, the reading and writing was hard. Okay. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, um, so they will interview, like they will, they will meet with the individual who's applying Yep. and then they'll meet with whoever the caregiver or the guardian is. Absolutely. Yep. 
And then were you also able to have your caseworker in that meeting or? She, yeah, my caseworker was there, was part of that, so. And is it up to the parent and the individual to actually start the ODSP application or is yes. it the caseworker that says, hey, you're turning 18, we better get you started. Need to, you need to do it. <laughs> So, and that's the hard thing because some people don't realize it's there. So luckily my dad knew about it. So he, you know, he went to my, my doctor and said, look, she needs this. Can you fill out the forms? And I, I remember him giving her the forms and she's like, okay, I'll fill them out. We'll, you know. So you need your doctor to fill out a form as well? Yeah. Well, psychiatrist, doctor, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they need to fill out the form saying that, you know, this person needs this. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just so that they have a full picture of what. Yeah of what is required but you can go on um online and get all those forms from ontario disability support program on their website and Mm. then you just bring those forms to your for me it was my psychiatrist i brought it to my psychiatrist and she just filled them all out i know Mm. like i almost feel like for the now that i'm thinking about it that if i was a parent like at 17 i would just kind of Mm. hop on or if you're listening to this podcast even like you know just hop on to the website and see what's out there, what needs to be done, just so that you have an idea Mm -hmm. of how much time you're going to need to pull together all the documentation, all the documents. That's the hardest part. And do you know, like, do they, so say for example, you turn 18 and then you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to do this. Mm -hmm. And then you don't end up actually finishing the application process until like you're halfway through 18 mm-hmm. will they pay you beginning when you were 18 or I'm do they pay sure. you like as soon as your application is processed and they made a decision that is a good question i'm not sure yeah because that's something like important it would make to sense of. that they would reimburse you for the time mm-hmm. but i'm not 100 percent sure it's a good question i'll yeah. ask my dad <laughs> yeah you yeah. know what it just makes sense to sort of just try and get these things in asap yeah so at least if you've mm-hmm. got the application in on or about your third 18th birthday then it's backdated already yes i feel almost like with a lot of these applications and i'm not sure like mm. i don't know how odsb works mm. but i always think that if there is a bit of a time sensitivity it's always good to have that Early. that stamp in that oh yeah they handed in their application on mm-hmm. this date so that gives a really good point of reference in the sense that all of their documentation was in. It was just on us that, you know, the process took a bit longer exactly. or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think, by and large, people are you know, people are reasonable about these kinds of things, mm-hmm. right? Um, so what about um, any other government supports that you think are... Um, I have a retirement disability savings plan. Okay. Through RBC. I think they're the only ones that have that. And it's, um, from what I understand, um, you put a certain amount in and they double it. Every okay, time so they match it. They match it, yeah. And so um, I just keep adding to it and they match it. And then when I retire, I can take it out and that will be my retirement. Uh, so it's like an RRSP? Yeah. But it's a, sorry, what R- is it called? Uh, registered disability savings plan okay so I wonder if it's also like a little bit like an RESP kind of where parents can kind of put money in and then the government matches it so that when your child is ready for post-secondary they can kind of access that that money without I would say it's like that yeah 
And so this is with the Royal Bank? It's the Royal Bank, yeah. And how did you, like, how would one go about So you would need to make this? an appointment with the, with, at a the banker, bank. Yeah, yeah, a banker. Um, luckily, my dad found it. He was like, oh, this is perfect. We got to sign her up right away. Get her in there. Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, the, the younger you start, the more you can accumulate, yes. right? And I think it's put together because, you know, some people may not have a retirement fund. Mm-hmm. So this is just to kind of support support us. Yeah. So Maybe. I think too, you know, well, if I'm thinking about like the RESP and how mm-hmm. many of these things work, like you said, because of that, um, oh, there's a smart word for it. You know, because the interest rate, you earn more interest the longer it is mm-hmm. in the actual bank account. Yes. Then, um, or in the plan, that the earlier you get. So, like, if a person, I guess, is diagnosed with something or, you know, parents and caregivers realize, oh, you know what? They can start This individual yeah. may need some extra support as they grow older. They can start kind of... Putting money in. Putting right money in it and starting to kind of take mm-hmm. advantage of that. And I, I don't remember when I had it, but I think, I want to say it was pretty young when we got it. I was at least in high school when I started putting mm-hmm. money into it. Mm-hmm. So, and I'm still putting money into it now. So you just keep uh, yeah. continuing. I guess so. It's like any kind of registered yeah. retirement savings mm-hmm. plan. Right? And then I can take it out when I, when I, you know, need to retire and I, you know. And yeah. so that's in your name, I guess. It's in my name. Because yeah. now you're over 18, I yeah. guess. So I guess that's the difference in the sense that I think my, my, you can keep working and saving in this way. Yeah. I think my dad might be on it as well as like a, like to help me. Mm-hmm. But that's it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's t- technically mine under right. my name. Yeah. And is there a cap to how much you can put in? No, I don't Probably. think so. Probably. Probably. I'm not 100% sure. There must be. There must mm-hmm. be. Yeah, there must of course. Be. Otherwise, people would just be putting in, like, yeah. money. <laughs> like, yeah, like, sure. There must be. There must be. But, yeah, I'm not sure the mm-hmm. exact amount. I can find out and let you know. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I'm sure it's different for each person. I think That's the main thing probably. is to just ask. Like, ask the question. Go mm-hmm. into the bank. Make the appointment. Mm-hmm. Like, listen. Because they don't know either, right? Like, not mm-hmm. everybody knows everybody's business. And, um... Like, that's such a great resource to have, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, with your own money that you're not actually putting in more money. It's just an incentive to continue saving. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are the two main ones I'm on. Okay. Yeah. So. And um, so for ODSB, you'll just continue on as long as you require that. Yeah. I'm not on an ODSB anymore now. Oh, okay. So as you're, as you're. Once I got full time. Mm-hmm. Then I did not require it because I, when you get full time, we you have medical coverage, so I didn't really need. Yeah. So I was like, yay! <laughs> you know what? Everybody's life changes, yeah. and I think that's the biggest thing. Like I think when we're looking at supports, um, you know, like I look at yourself, you've been like continuing to do different things, mm-hmm. and kind of your life has evolved, and um, you know now you're independently working full-time and Mm -hmm. like you said you don't need it anymore but for other you know individuals and especially I know with medical expenses which are like that's the hardest ridiculously crazy Mm -hmm. I think it makes such a huge difference for families to at least get that groundwork in so that they can decide for themselves whether they need um Mm -hmm. you know whether they're okay or whether you know they need to still kind of access that that additional support 
I know my caseworker was so proud she, that she's like that I that I came off ODSP. She was so like, wow, you got a full time job. Congratulations, you worked so hard. You know, so proud mm-hmm. of you. You know, she's like, yeah, it does so take nice. a lot of hard work. Yeah, it takes a lot of like you know independence mm-hmm. to keep working towards something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've talked a little bit about government supports, and you said those were the two main ones. Yeah. So the uh, ODSP and also the RDSP. Yes. <laughs> okay, which is a bank-related sort of um, support. That's yeah. government support that's done through through your local bank. Mm-hmm. Let's switch gears a little bit, and again, like just start to begin to touch upon. Um, sibling relationships because I know that you mentioned that um, you know that this was an area that you thought would really add value to um, to our discussion and to just help each other understand like help people understand each other a little bit yeah I, I think we don't look at the siblings as much because we're focusing on some of the parents are focusing on their child who has special needs and sometimes I find that very from my perspective, a little bit difficult. I, my siblings, I could tell that they had a hard time dealing with having a sibling with special needs who needed constant attention. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, um, and I, I'm, I was able to kind of see that. You know, it's hard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when you're a teenager, to understand that maybe, you know, Jerry Ann learns differently or Jerry Ann has anxiety, you know, it's very hard. And I, um, I see a little bit of like anger and sometimes resentment in the siblings. Mm-hmm. So. Did you, if you don't mind me asking mm. and feel free to say like, it's too much. No worries. Um, like, did you realize that you had, that you learned differently, that you felt anxious more than other people like yes I, I knew I knew I was more anxious I, I I remember telling my mom I said I I, I need to be on something for anxiety like how did you know if you don't mind me asking well before with the the anxiety and OCD which I have um, I wouldn't like leave the house I was anxious I was always worried about my parents dying and you know um, just like constant fear fear mm-hmm. and then once um, I went on medication I felt like kind of free almost I was like I still have the anxiety but not to the point where I was unable to function Mm -hmm. yeah it's made a difference really um, the medication and and seeing a psychiatrist and but it you know I I think it was very difficult for my siblings to see you know oh Jerry Ann's anxious again oh no you know Jerry Ann does this oh why she do that you know why does Jerry Ann need extra help why you know it's very difficult and I feel bad that you know so I guess I'm thinking like, so the anxiety was before the seizure, like before you were diagnosed um, with the seizure activity? Actually, no. Like how did that, that's what I mean. Like I how did that play out, I would say? The anxiety started presenting in like elementary school um, after the seizures, you know, mm-hmm. after the seizures. Um you know, it started off just like a few little things and then it came to like full-blown OCD, um, just checking, making sure things are there, you know, worrying about m- mom and dad leaving me, constant like what ifs, 
Because people think, you know, they think with OCD, they like, oh, you're you're obsessed with cleaning. You're well, yeah, I'm I'm obsessed with cleaning too. But <laughs> it's more of the worries that your brain can't stop. So um, I would say that kind of happened like um, elementary school after kind of the seizures started. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And were you ever worried about the seizures? Like, were you worried about like, oh my gosh, like, what if I just like fall right down or I'm walking? I, and... I guess so. I never really thought of that. I was always worried about other people, not mm-hmm. really me. I was always worried about you know, mommy and daddy. I'm worried about you know, are they mm-hmm. gonna make it? Just they used to say, just checking, just checking, mm-hmm. all the time, and they're like, just checking. So, or we had a code word, have a good day. So I had to be like, have a good day. And they'd be like, have a good day. Because <laughs> that means, is everything okay? Is, you know, we had like a little bit of a code. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It sounds like your parents really um, were very open and very mm-hmm. observant about, yeah. you know, well, I know you, so yourself, <laughs> uh, you know, and and how to help alleviate some of those uh, you know, anxieties that mm-hmm. you were experiencing. Yes, I find with the, the OCD, like, if I don't, like, I need to do it, do it or hear the desired response to make that worry go away. So, if that makes sense, so. So, can you give me, like, what would be an example? So, I'd be like, let's say I'm worried, or like, um, if, are you okay? Are you okay? And they'll be like, Jerrion, yeah, I'm okay. But I want to hear it, because if they don't answer me, then I'm like, is everything okay? Are you okay? So just like kind of like, I like the reassurance. So. Well, I know, for example, at school. Yes. <laughs> um, I'll ask you. You know, at the beginning, I remember you would say, like, you'd be like, Patricia, like, oh, is this okay? Or is that all right? Yeah. And in my head, I'd be like, of course it's okay. Like, it's amazing. Like, thank you, Jerrianne. Like, I appreciate that. But I constantly worry. It's in my mind. I'm like, did I do something wrong? Was everything okay? yeah and then one day like I remember you came up to me like I just kind of thought like okay like that's kind of just interesting like you know um but maybe she just you know she just she you're new you're new to the job I knew you were new to the board like yeah yeah I was like okay like she's just like keen like you know yeah and and then I was like oh okay and then one day you just came up to me and you were like Patricia like I just wanted to share with you like I, I do have this anxiety and um, you know, when I ask you if it's okay, like just when you say it's okay, then I just feel better. <laughs> and then yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Like it was the first time I'd ever really had somebody, like anybody actually that I've ever met that oh, was so that? Yeah. open and confident and um, comfortable in their own skin mm-hmm. to be able to say like, this is what I kind of like need from you in order to just like well, that, keep yeah you know copacetic or whatever you know the word is well, and, I want I want you to understand and don't be like oh well why is she doing that I want people to understand there's, there's a reason you know so that's why I like yeah. to explain you know no for people sure. probably wonder oh why is she worried that I'm mad or why is she worried about this because but it made a difference though because you know what now when you say something Mm -hmm. I just know like just to be like yeah everything's great Jerrion or now (laughs) to the point where sometimes like I can almost like and I think it's because you know obviously we've worked together Mm -hmm. for a little while we've got to know each other a bit yeah but I can kind of like pick it up anticipate that you may be like wondering about something so I'll be like 
Tyrion, we're all good. Or, <laughs> you did a great job of that. Thank yeah. you. Or so I'll try and like, you know, just kind of be a bit proactive maybe in mm-hmm. a way um, for it. But I think it's important to know that. Like it's important to mm-hmm. know sometimes I think as a parent, as a colleague, as a coworker, mm-hmm. as a um, just really community member, mm-hmm. it's important to sort of understand sometimes when someone is you know asking for that um reassurance reassurance Mm -hmm. that they're asking for it and it's something small that the other person can do usually without even thinking about it Mm -hmm. but it makes such a huge impact it really does because it just you feel so much better the panic is gone the anxiety is gone if someone just says it to reassure me like okay i'm good now okay they're not mad they're not i'm doing a good job i'm it's like i always worry in my mind so i guess when we're talking like about siblings and you're thinking about other well kids really like we all grow up like Mm -hmm. i come from a family of five Mm -hmm. you know and you know everybody's still when you're growing up in a family you don't just meet each other at 18 or Mm -hmm. at 25 when you kind of know a little bit more about the world and are more experienced when you're growing up in that kind of environment and one of your siblings is not is requiring more of that reassurance Mm -hmm. is requiring a little bit more of that you know attention and that care it's hard yeah. It's hard because, uh, you know, you're growing, you're, you're young and you're, you're, you don't understand maybe. Um, you know, my parents tried it very hard to explain to my siblings, you know, this is just the way Jerianne learns, this is the way Jerianne sometimes, you know, she has anxiety. And for the most part, they were understanding, but you could see, um, you know, they felt, they were like, oh, why is she doing that? I'm like, yeah. So... You know, now that they're older, you know, my sister and brother are older, they have kids of their own, they're a lot more um, understanding, and I think they kind of they kind of made the connection a little bit more now that they're older, and they kind of, you know, been around, the, the, you know, and so they're like, oh, okay, just, this is just the way Jurian is, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and they did, they just look at me, and they're like, okay, that's the way she is, and yeah, that's great. <laughs> and they accommodate, I guess they're more, I, I, as I think everybody is, we're always more accommodating. Absolutely. Think, as we get older, you know, like yeah. that's just the way it works. Or yeah, like my brother helps me with my finances. Um, I don't really know much about my finance in that sense, but he helps me with that. And then you know, my sister's always there to support me if I need her. So yeah, but I do think it is very hard when you're growing up and you may not understand what your siblings. I don't like use disability, but exceptionality is, mm-hmm. you know, may not understand anxiety, may not understand, you know, a learning disability. Why, you know, it's probably very difficult for a sibling. Yeah, yeah because I, we all go through our own hardships, right? Yeah. Like we all go through our own. I always think like everybody has their own story. Things Absolutely. That we're, you know, mm-hmm. that we're we're happy about things that we're sad about things we're scared about things we're unsure about and mm-hmm. sometimes when one person is you know taking up a lot of your parents time and you know in your heart like yeah like they need to be like mom or dad needs to be there for mm-hmm. them for that person 
you feel like you have to put your needs a little bit on the back burner. Yeah. And, you know, or deal with it yourself or Mm -hmm. do that kind of stuff. And then sometimes I'm... I feel like maybe sometimes people are like, I just want to like just just have that time for me. Like I want to mm. have the meltdown and I want to go out and do this. <laughs> yeah, because that's what it they looks don't. like from the outside. Yeah, right? exactly. They don't quite understand, right? You know, the, so I don't understand why she's freaking out or she's getting upset, right? Because they don't know what it feels like, right? So, and it's hard for a sibling. You know, sometimes you know. You get jealous. You want mom and dad's attention, and you know, which is understandable, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think definitely as you get older, you 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 grow and you understand. But definitely when we were younger, it was very difficult for for them to see, you know, you know, me have anxiety. They didn't quite understand and learn this ability, you know. Is there anything that you think like I don't I looking from the outside in? I can't think of anything really that other than just to tell your 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 other children, you know, explain a little bit more about why they're learning this way or why they have anxiety, and just telling them, just be upfront, you know, you know, this is why Jerry Ann is like this because she has this. I think um, if you don't know, then it's harder to understand, right? Mm-hmm. So. And I guess, too, as you've grown up and as you've kind of matured and come into your own, your parents have been able to take that step back. Mm-hmm. And then now you're more cognizant of what you need, what works for you. And yeah. you won't necessarily put yourself in a position where you know that's not going to work for you. So it's on yeah. you as opposed to... Your Somebody parents else. making that decision or your parents staying at home with you or your parents, you know what I mean? Like Absolutely. Like example, like I get stressed out in like um, crowds of situations. So like, you know, for years I was forced to go to like family outings and I didn't want to because it caused me so much anxiety. But now I say, no, I'm not going. You know, I will go if I'm comfortable, but for the most part, like I have control and I want to, you know, if I'm not feeling that I'm comfortable going to this place I'm not gonna go but it was hard for my parents at first they had to be like okay well Jerry Ann's an adult now she doesn't want to go she can't she's not gonna go but I think that was hard for them (laughs) yeah and it also gave them a chance too, like to go to a family outing and not well I'm just thinking in a very limited way you know for example when um the kids were little you Mm -hmm. know and and you have an opportunity to go out for dinner mm-hmm. with just another couple with no kids. Yeah. It's a, it's not that you don't love going out for dinner with your kids. No, I know what you're you saying. You do, but it's so nice to be able to just go and not have to, like, second guess, second think, or anything like that. You know, you just don't have to think about no, the I additional people, right? Whereas, like, now I think because, like you said, you can stay home by yourself or you can be like, hey, I'll go for, I'll come for an hour. But then yeah. after that, I'll just scooch home. I have my own car. I can do my, like, yeah, I kind of have control. Before, I felt like I did not have control. I had to do what, I had to go where they said and do what they said. And that caused more anxiety. So, but now they, they realize they're like, okay. And it gives them a chance to go out with your siblings as well. Like, I yeah. mean, as they were growing up, and I mean, obviously even now. No, but yeah, no. 
to have their time to yeah you know, to continue to develop their relationships individually with them absolutely too, right yeah yeah and I still go like I still do family mm. functions but I just kind of choose what makes me comfortable you know you know and they respect that you know how would you say like I mean we're running a little bit out of time and like I said this is sort of one of those conversations that we'll definitely go back to Mm -hmm. a little bit but how do you feel like do you think you did something over the last few years to sort of change that relationship between you and your siblings do you think it was just like all of you guys just kind of grew older and like figured it out like it just kind of happened naturally or do you think there's something that I think the main thing is is my siblings having children Mm -hmm. they have an understanding now that they have I don't know just made the connection is different now I notice once they've you know started having their own kids Mm -hmm. the, the understanding was a little more there and I guess that's what I noticed. And being older. Mm-hmm. But once, you know, my, my siblings started having their own kids, it was like, oh, okay. So, I don't, I don't know. And how did you feel, if you don't mind me asking, how did you feel growing up? Like, did you, how did you feel towards your siblings? Like, how do um, you feel about your siblings? You know, I love my siblings. Um, I didn't think they liked me. <laughs> so, you know, it was hard, right? So, and I think I was a bit of a burden on them, to be honest. Mm. Um, and I always wanted them to like me and they probably did, but just, you know, <laughs> siblings, right? And siblings are like, it's true though. Like yeah. I look at, I think there is that thing about like sibling rivalry, sibling, like yeah, as absolutely. you're growing up, like nobody totally gets along with their siblings of course not. all of course the time. Not. No. And I think that, but maybe because with the, like you were saying with the anxiety and being a little bit more intuitive about that kind of stuff like you know mm-hmm. whereas one person be like oh my gosh I just can't stand that person and mm-hmm. they slam the door and then that's mm-hmm. that's that until the next day and then like hey <laughs> can I borrow your sweater like you know yeah, yeah. Uh, you know maybe in some ways you'd be like oh like you would maybe think about it a little bit more and mm-hmm. be like oh gosh like you know like that kind of idea yep um, absolutely but I think it's something very valid like mm-hmm. I think it's important I know for myself as a parent and just thinking about it I think it's important for parents to have those candid conversations absolutely you yeah. know with not only their children that when their children are going through different difficulties mm-hmm. or different experiences but also to make that time to share and um just talk about and give a venue to open up and yes share your feelings about it and learn yeah learn you you know know, learn a little bit more about you know the different needs we all have Mm -hmm. because I think even though you don't necessarily are in a place where you can like act on it because maybe you know emotionally you're not there maybe just Mm-hmm. your age wise like you're developmentally like you know you're not going to tell someone who's three years old that like yeah like, they're not going to understand it the same way like we need to have that need to explain it in different ways depending on their developmental mm-hmm. you know you know i think the i think it was probably hardest for them when they were teenagers to understand because you know they're teenagers they want to act out they want to 
you know, they don't want to have to deal with the sister who has anxiety. <laughs> so, which I, that's what I think I probably was the hardest time, right? You know, but I totally understand, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult being with somebody who has anxiety and constant need, needs reassurance. I see it, you know, I live it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so there's, yeah, it's, it's just the way it is, you know. Yeah. So. And I think we all need our own space. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I think, you know... Sometimes people need a break from, you know, people and, you know, it's the way it is, you know? And I think that's one of the nicest things that I like about you is that you understand. Oh, thank you. And are, um, what's the word? I guess just, like, compassionate towards other people's feelings Mm -hmm. and how. And it's like, well, okay, like, you know, I get that. I get why I it really could be try. that way, yeah. you know, and then you kind of just like leave it be, like, you know, to sort of just try to just let it go mm-hmm. and then still be true to yourself and your feelings for, mm-hmm. you know, your family, your friends, your colleagues, all of that kind yeah. of stuff. Because I think, again, like you live within your own body, so mm-hmm. you kind of know what Like, all of us do, right? Like, we all know, like, what we're feeling within us. Mm -hmm. But I think it takes a really strong person to be able to understand and give that opportunity to let others, especially people in your close circle, Mm -hmm. to work through and to figure out where they stand in that whole family dynamic. Yes. And how they can be their own person and still be part of that family dynamic as well. Absolutely. And and not necessarily be sympathetic, but be understanding. Absolutely, yeah. That's a great way of saying it. Mm -hmm. You know, because I don't think anybody needs, like... Sympathy, no. Sympathy. No, and that's not what what we want, Um, we just want, you know, understanding and acceptance, you know? Yeah, and if you say you want to take a break... I need a break. <laughs> I need a break. <laughs> or else my body will tell me that I need a break and make that break happen and for me. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Is so, there any kind of experiences before we just end off that you can kind of share or do you want to keep it for like another time? So I, like, going back to anxiety, I guess we could talk about, like, there was one incident where, like, you were saying your body will tell you when you need a break. Um, so um, I was at a wedding, in a, in a wedding, and I knew I having because I had anxiety, I knew I couldn't really be in the wedding, but I felt kind of obligated to. So during the wedding, I had a big anxiety attack, and I was walking down the aisle in tears, and had a huge so I should have listened to my body mm. I should have listened to my body so um, but sometimes you feel obligated to you know you know do these things but you know in the back of your mind that you know I don't it doesn't feel right I'm anxious you know mm-hmm. so you got to really go with how you feel you know and I didn't want to ruin that person's wedding either you know I felt bad that I was crying walking down the aisle I felt so bad uh-huh. and I, I, you know they said I didn't ruin their wedding but I just felt terrible that I but I knew like as soon as I started walking down the aisle I just felt cold sweat and shakes and I was like I'm out I'm out 
<laughs> so my body told me it was like you didn't listen to me you're out eating so yeah so it's I, hard yeah it's hard mm-hmm. because you just want to be there for everybody and you want to you know like in your head you know like this is not that big of a deal like it shouldn't be a be... big deal this is yeah something important i want to do this and then for whatever reason it just clicked i'm like nope nope and then it just happened yeah so you know i learned i know yeah. i know you know i need to listen to my body and if i don't feel right about something you know as much as i want to support and mm-hmm. be part of a th- certain things i can't because it's, it's too much emotionally anxiety wise and that mm-hmm. comes i guess from just being like self-realization and mm-hmm. just you know, understanding that you don't need to understand why you feel some way in mm-hmm. order to like listen to what you need to do. Yeah. Because I think sometimes we're like trying to always like, oh, like, this is why I should be doing this. And, oh, I should be doing this. Like we're trying to always rationalize everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think in life, mm-hmm. you know, we can't always rationalize things. And sometimes we're taking things in. Our body is like a computer that's taking in and feeling and like there's so many things going on we can't even begin sometimes to sort of yeah feel that way right mm-hmm. well thank you very much Darianne. thank you for joining us thank you for sharing your you know your information especially about the grants and then also starting to touch a little bit about um you know just family dynamics really mm-hmm. and um you know being able to attend to the needs of you know each other in a family yeah and, absolutely and coping with those needs when they happen at times that maybe unexpected don't <laughs> align with what our regularly scheduled program is yes that's the hardest part <laughs> um this is going to be the last podcast for a little while we are going to release it um we're hoping to do more podcasts in the future mm-hmm. um for sure because this is something i think that a lot of people have questions about um and are really interested in learning and listening a little bit from the other side to get an understanding. Absolutely. Um, So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It was great. (laughs) It was. And thank you to all of our viewers for joining us over the past four sessions and episodes. Um, We look forward to seeing you soon. Soon, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Take care. Bye.